With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. He's a well-respected high school football scout. Known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Intercom Studios and the Miracle Mile. I got my man, Greg Biggins, with me. GB, what it do? Nice introduction. You had some juice there with that one. Sometimes your ha-has just don't have enough enough spunk. No, you know, they only have not enough spunk, GB, is when I'm down and out with the flu. But now that I'm up and on my feet... Man, I, I could just have at it on this microphone, and you know how we do it. It's the transparent truth. In studio, we got a lot of things going on today. We got a terrific discussion, but we'll get to that later. We got our recruiting. We have our sleeper of the week, a new one out of La Habra High School. We're going to cut to an interview or a speech from Kylia Carter, the mother of Wendell Carter. We're going to talk a little bit about amateurism and what the issue or what the issue is not with it. We're going to get to our winner circle ad, and uh, we're going to bring this baby to a close. But GB, without further ado, hit us with recruiting. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. Hey, this is a Tuesday, obviously, as we always do. Won't be able to hear this until Wednesday, but we have a big announcement later on today. Braden Lybrock, one of the top tight ends out west, will be making his college choice. Right now, I think most people expect that to be the Texas Longhorns. Texas is doing a really nice job in the state of Arizona. But I like Lybrock a lot. I think he's probably the most athletic, maybe the best pure pass-catching tight end out west. Only about 215 pounds, more of a hybrid, big receiver, 6'4", 6'5", kid. But really impressive over the uh, the course of the offseason. You've seen him on the 7-on-7 circuit. And he has good junior tape, too, as well. So look for the Texas Longhorns to potentially land one of the elite West Coast tight ends uh, was a couple of commitments uh, over the last week. One of them, a little bit of a surprise for me, KJ Trujillo, who we thought was a pretty strong, strong Oregon lead. He took an official visit to Colorado last weekend and committed to the Buffs over the Oregon Ducks. So, again, he had just visited Oregon for their spring game a couple of weeks ago that traded so much buzz. And we actually thought there was a chance that KJ might go ahead and just shut down those recruitment right then and there. But he decided to take that last official trip to Colorado. And, uh, and you know, he said that he said that, that he felt like that was just the best long-term move for him, not just football-wise, but if he took football out of the equation, he felt that CU was the best fit for him. So KJ Trujillo and also uh, Kel Millen, who is a son of former Seattle uh, native, Hugh Millen, who played for the Washington Huskies. Sure. As people know, uh, Oregon Ducks and, and Washington Huskies have a strong, strong hatred. Not a dislike, Keith. A hatred towards each other. Like it. So, I saw a lot of a lot of Husky fans being kind of kind of rude 
to poor little Kale Mellon for choosing the Oregon Ducks. I mean, it's not his fault, right? The Washington Huskies already got their guy, and, you know, Dylan Morris. They weren't going to take another quarterback. Oregon offered him. He was an early Northwestern uh, commit, backed off that. He liked Oregon a lot, decided to go ahead and become a Duck. So you're going to have a house full, a house to buy amongst itself right there, Keith. Obviously, his dad's always going to support his kid, but... Uh, the son of a former Husky is going to Oregon, Kel Millen. Hey, GB, I like it, man. It's going to add to the rivalry, add to the hatred. I don't have a problem. These fans pay good money. They watch TV. They they support these kids. They support these schools. I don't have an issue with them rooting, giving a guy a hard time or a kid a hard time. It's all in good fun. I'm sure they don't mean this, you know, in a in a in a personal way. It's, it's all about com- competition. It's all about kind of getting after each other, building that rivalry, and uh, I like it. I, it adds fuel to the fire. I'm anxious to see Kale kind of get after it once he gets on the field and gets his chance to get back at those guys. Shoot, man, I, I couldn't disagree more, to be honest with you. That's okay. I like, it when fans go, I like it when fans go back and forth. You know, I like that part of it. But the, the idea of a grown man berating a 17-year-old kid for his decision, for, for me, is about the dumbest thing that I can see on Twitter. I literally hate that. Especially most of these guys don't use their, their, their name or their face as the avatar. Just some random you know, keyboard warrior wannabe who's an old, old, grouchy idiot who wants to kill and berate a 17-year-old kid. You uh, like that? No, no, no. I'm not talking about berating the kid. I'm just talking a little trash. I'm not talking about attacking the kid personally or... Uh, you know, making derogatory comments. I'm talking about a little trash talk, GB. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with some trash talk. I like it when it's between fans, but I always say, man, if you're an adult, leave a kid alone. And I say that same thing if you're an adult and you're saying, hey, come to my school. Or if you're an adult and you're saying, man, we need you. I, I hate that. I just don't feel like there should be as much interaction between, you know, the fans and the kids. That's just my, my little uh, my little beef with Twitter. Sometimes I think these, these fans get a little over the top, good and bad. Yeah. Um, but I hear what you're saying. Trey Watson, yeah. former Cal Bear, is going yeah. to Texas. How did you feel about that one? No, I like that. I like that. A guy, a graduate transfer, things just did, never worked out the way I think Trey Watson envisioning that they would work out up in Berkeley. Injuries, kind of sitting behind a guy or two. Get somewhere new. Get yourself a fresh start as a graduate transfer. University of Texas, which you know they already got big time athletes. They got a top notch head coach. They got an offense that fits Trey Watson's skill set. You know, sometimes GB, you need a fresh start, a fresh place, uh, coming off an injury to bounce back, and you know, hopefully, all the best for Trey Watson. I mean, unbelievable high school player, thirty seven hundred yards, over fifty touchdowns his senior year, Corona Centennial. So we know he has the talent and ability. Hopefully, he can stay healthy and get a job done there in Austin. Yeah, I was on the sidelines for the Honor Bowl a few years back when Trey Watson, he set some kind of record. Yeah. It was most yards, but they played Stamp on a venture. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if it was a centennial record or a state record, but he, he was unbelievable. And he, man, he is a, an absolute, uh, a tough, gritty load to deal with. I, I don't know Texas's depth chart. That's my only issue. Yeah. Um, I probably should know before I speak on it, but I just, I gotta think Texas, as you mentioned, man, they're, they're loaded. Wouldn't they also be loaded at running back? And I have no problem with him leaving Cal. I just got to think, man, if you're a grad transfer, you want to go somewhere and start and be showcased. And I just, I hope he goes to Texas and gets a chance to get, you know, 10 to 15 carries a game at least and could be a guy because you don't grad transfer somewhere to be a third or fourth running back, right? 
Well, you know, Trey Watson comes from the public school out in Corona Centennial. They're known for football, but they got a pretty good academic program. I have to believe he made the best decision for himself with the depth chart in mind, GB. Anything other than so. that, yeah, anything other than that would be, you know, uncomprehensible. So <laughs> <laughs> hopefully he gets down there and gets his carries. Yeah. deodorant commercial. Hey, so a lot of new offers went out this past week. Probably the biggest one is, uh, is UCLA offered James Daniels. A Cajon quarterback. Yeah. And, you know, we've had several discussions about, you know, what is UCLA doing recruiting wise? Are they going to ever, you know, kind of get a little more aggressive and offer some kids? They offered one quarterback, Grant Cannell, which for me, uh, I didn't get that offer. Uh, not going to get the guy. So if you want to be selective with your offers, you know, why offering a kid from Texas who you have no chance at? But Jaden Daniels is a kid who I think they have, they have a great chance with. Uh, I think, in fact, I think they have the team to beat right now wow. for Jaden. That's not something that he, that's not something that he told me. Um, but I do know from talking to him and his family in the past, I know academics are big. You know, uh, Regina, the mom, a couple master's degrees. Uh, another dad, they've talked before about Chip Kelly, the offense, how Jaden fits with it, close to home. Uh, I think UCLA makes a lot of sense for Jaden Daniels. Uh, the schools that he liked early on, you know, Florida State, he loved that trip, but they took Sam Howell a few days after his trip. He liked Oregon a lot. They just took Kel Millen. I know he likes USC. They have JT Daniels right in front of him. We all love DTR, but I think JT, uh, probably a little bit of a different animal right now, at least perception-wise. I think people see JT as a generational guy. He's going to go to maybe start next year. Um, so, Jaden, I think right now, looking at his options, he kind of mentioned Arizona. He mentioned Nebraska. Then he mentioned Arizona State. Um, I think he even mentioned Penn State. But out of all those schools, you know, you got to figure UCLA's in a pretty good spot. Yeah. I, yeah, they got to be, GB, uh, considering – you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson's coming in. He's not coming in as a spring freshman, right? He's coming in in the fall. So he doesn't have a huge leg up in terms of being in the offense and repetitions behind center. In addition to that, Jaden Daniels, the quintessential spread quarterback, you can make the comparison of a young Dennis Dixon with his athleticism, athletic ability, strong arm, decision-making, and accuracy down the football field. I've seen an increased... Uh, arm talent and quick delivery accuracy on all three levels this offseason from Jaden Daniels to me I think it's a terrific system fit wondering what took UCLA so long to offer the number two dual threat quarterback in the country but they get the offer out and it sounds like Jaden's going to be considering them heavily and uh, to me it sounds like a good marriage yeah I mean what took so long was the whole idea and I kind of respect this when it comes to quarterbacks at least but they didn't get out until last week. To when see I him. get out, I mean, like, actually going out yeah. and visiting campus. So they wanted to wait until they saw the kid in person. Sure. So obviously they liked what they saw. Uh, Justin Flo, the show, the big show. time linebacker from Upland High School, lands an offer from Texas and and Michael Micah Pittman just put his top five out there. Oh, yeah. That's going to change, Coach Keys. You know why it's going to change? The Oregon Ducks? He got, he got an offer. You know, Oregon was already in his top five. Okay. Already his top five to you. It was Alabama. Right. Florida, Nebraska, Ohio State, and Oregon. He had a great visit to Oregon over the weekend, but the Washington Huskies offered him. That's right. And I know that's one that he was really, really high on. He was really, really interested in that one. And uh, I think the Huskies are definitely going to be in that mix in his top five. In fact, I will say, I think among that top five, I could see him, assuming he takes a visit, assuming he goes out there and checks the school out, I will predict Washington will be in that top three wow. right now. I think Florida is definitely up there. And I think Oregon is definitely up there. But I think the Huskies are going to make a move with Micah Pittman. 
Yeah. How about our former sit and sleep sleeper of the week? Brendan Costello with an offer from the fighting Dan Hawkinses at oh. UC Davis. All right. We had Jalen Martin from Roosevelt, a long athletic DB, got an offer from Colorado. Kyle Ford offers last night from the Ohio State University and also Florida. And I think he actually has some interest in the Florida Gators. Called that one of his childhood dream schools. So interesting there. Good to see Chris Rankins, the guy that we were high on all last year, the DB corner. Yes, yes. I pick up New Mexico. Uh, he's been getting offers, you know, repeatedly now. I think that's like his third one. Uh, Vandy, uh, Vandy, Vanderbilt, Vandy. Uh, they were out here last week and offered a couple of West Coasters. Blake Anzalados. You got a nickname for Blake, right? What was it? The Jackhammer. The Jackhammer. Yeah. Also offered Logan Loya. Orange Lutheran 2020 wide receiver. Raymond. Raymond. How about J.R. Waters from Oxnard, oh, Oxnard yeah. High School? Long receiver. His stock has really been going up. Colorado State, Nevada, Hawaii, and Fresno State all within the last week. Oh, yeah. Colorado State also offered JoJo Hawkins out of Orange Lou. His stock is really going up as well. Taj Davis, Upland wide receiver, took an uh, unofficial visit to Washington. And they offered him as well. So interesting. Yeah. Very interesting what Washington is doing at the receiver position because I heard they're only taking two guys. And I think they lead right now for Josh Chachi Delgado mm-hmm. at IMG Academy. And also uh, for Joseph Nagata, a top 100 kid who's all the brother, plays at Washington. So I thought, you know, they might wait and see what happens with those two guys before they moved on to other receivers. But I'm obviously offering. Micah Pittman and now Taj Davis, uh, they're not ready to just sit and wait on those two guys. They want to they want to get some action. Elias Ricks, offered by the Washington Huskies. Easy E. Easy E. Huskies making some moves right there for sure. Did I mention Jojo Hawkins already? You did. Colorado State. I heard that. So I was told that's a big offer for him. And in fact, someone said he's going to take an unofficial visit over the summer. And he could actually pull the trigger this early. I guess he really likes the Rams quite a bit so uh, good for him Reggie Strong a DB from Orange Lou uh, played a lot of running back last year but uh, I like him as a DB at a recent 7 on 7 tournament Utah State just offered him and then gosh we talked about him already a few weeks back but John Ward from Palmdale offers continue to fly in latest ones are from Wazoo hmm. San Diego State University of Colorado and Utah so some pretty big time offers for John Ward USC offered two of my favorite players. These are two guys that I think I like more than anybody else. I think they're kind of under the radar, even though they're, you know, they're four-star guys. But Asa Turner, oh, Carlsbad, yeah. really and then like Tristan St. Clair. Uh, San Ramon Valley, both these two guys are really, really good. And USC offered both those two. So I have a, a, I have a lot, a lot of interest, a lot of love for both those two players. I think they're both very talented. How about a guy, uh, Brian Penny? Oh, yeah. Narbonne High School played at Norwalk last year. He recently made the move to Narbonne. Narbonne, have they got any transfers this offseason? <laughs> coach, they've won the offseason, Coach. They've won the offseason, haven't they? Yeah. So San Diego State, where his older brother Rashad Penny just dominated with the first-round draft pick, uh, is offer number one for Mr. Brian Penny. I think he's going to be a, a receiver slash corner. He played quarterback at Norwalk, but uh, Narbonne's got a quarterback already. So he's going to be a skilled athlete, from what I am told. I can't wait to get to Narbonne pretty soon. Watch them, watch them in spring practice. They got some uh, 
they got some athletes over there. Breon Penny's a big-time player, GB, long and athletic, a safety that can cover the field, sideline to sideline, terrific range, terrific vision on a quarterback, also a big-time playmaker, picks, tips, strips, interceptions. The guy is a baller. Watch what I tell you. He's going to blow up in the city this year. Picks, strips, and chips. Man, sounds like a great appetizer. <laughs> You're right. That made me hungry right there. We might need to open up a Transparent Truth restaurant. Oh, man, that'd be something, right? Yeah, uh, like tailgate at. There you go. How about Keenan, Keenan Kristen, probably oh, the yeah. fastest running back in uh, in the state out of San Diego, Northwestern, and TCU are his most recent offers. How about Keely Ringo? I'll tell you what, it's going to be fun. Uh, a fun little battle between who is the top cover corner out west in the 2020 class. Shoot, might forget out west. These two guys might be the two best in the whole entire country in that 2020 class. Keely Ringo offered by Texas A&M. I think the kid just ran 10, 6, 8, 100 meters. That's yeah. not bad for a sophomore, isn't it? No, he's super Texas athlete. Eight. Yeah. And he's a 6'1", six, 6'2", six, guy. That'll do. Jalen Martin from Roosevelt, offered by Colorado. Um, he's been yeah, blowing up. He is. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of blowing up, uh, Javin Wright from Hamilton High School. Yeah, another one. Uh, dad is former Nebraska and L.A. Ram. Toby Wright. Really? That is his dad. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, so Nebraska offered him. So you got to think Nebraska was probably the childhood favorite being uh, that pops. Toby was a uh, was a baller back in the oh, day. So baller. yeah, Devin Wright, Hamilton High School. Yeah, I like, I like Toby, man. He could bring it. Oh, man, strong safety, man. He was super physical. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was. He was. I think the Rams took him like in the second round. Yeah, no, he was a high pick. Uh, I mean, he was he was a prototype strong safety, Greg. I mean, the guy was, was about 6'1 and about 210. And he was coming downhill in the alley. And you, in didn't the alley. See, you didn't want to see him when it was dark. I can tell you that. Jackhammer. <laughs> he was a poor man like Gonzalo. Actually, he was a rich man. A, ri- a very, very day. rich man. Yeah. Our guy, Clark Phillips, picked up Oregon State. How about Caillou Kelly from Bishop Gorman? Landed Colorado and Stanford. I love that name, Caillou. There used to be a little weird-looking dude that my kid used to watch named Caillou, a little cartoon guy, a little bald-headed guy. But uh, that is not Caillou Kelly from Bishop Gorman. This guy can play this long 6'1 corner who's yeah. run 10-8-6 yeah. in the 100 meters this year. So, And how about uh, really cool, my guy David Hill, uh, phase one in Nevada, coaches at Desert Pine. Uh, he took a bunch of kids over to BYU and Cam Wiley, Greg Oliver, Darnell Washington, Bo Taylor, and Preston Williams all got offers from the Coug. So I like it when a guy takes kids and allows them to get seen and allows them to have the opportunity to maybe get an education at the next level, a free one at that. BYU, the Cougs offered all those guys, all from different high schools. Wiley and Darnell both go to Desert. Uh, but Oliver's at Faith Lutheran and Bo Taylor is at uh, Bishop Gorman. So kind of cool to see him do that. And then uh, not an offer, but Jake Smith, a big-time receiver out of Arizona, is down to the Texas Longhorns and the USC Trojans. I'm not sure when he's going to make a commitment, but those are the final two. Speak of decisions, Keith, we got two big ones this Sunday. Wait, hey, ho, GB, before you get to that, Am I, I want to go myself? No, no, no. I just want to go back really quickly to Jake Smith. Back it up. Back I watched up. this kid the other day. It might have been yesterday. I uh-huh. was blown away. He can go. Hoo, hoo, hoo. He's a bad boy. Man, he got some speed. 
He's a listen, coach. Speed, Maverick, the top gun. He feels the need for speed. Speed wins in football. I don't know if people realize or understand that. Speed I wins. Think they do. I think they. I hope they do. Man, let me tell you this. This boy can go. He yes, can. He can. he can get on that highway with anybody and turn it loose. I mean, I really <laughs> like this guy. Wow. What do you think you he's going to play way? at the next level, GB? I, I don't know how big he looks. A little small. He's not small, dude. I saw him at that Adidas tournament. He's a good sized kid. I, I want to say I would I, I would bet he's probably six feet ish and pretty thick. I mean, he's he's a well uh, wow. well muscled kid. You can yeah. tell likes the weight room a little yeah, bit. Yeah, really yeah. nice kid too. Enjoy talking with him. Yeah, I, I I'm small. I meant short. Actually, that's what I actually meant. But if you say he's around five eleven, six feet, five eleven, six feet. Okay, I would, yeah, I, I would give him that. I would I would, I would give him that. So uh, no, he's a. And returning kicks, man, he's man, impressive, around. man. Yeah. He is yeah, impressive. No but go ahead, we got some news, some announcements coming up. Go with it. We got a couple of uh, a couple of Ground Zero's finest will be making their decision on Sunday at the unofficial, or maybe it is the official Ground Zero headquarters, the Athletic Republic in Ranch Cucamonga. Talking about Jeremiah Cradell, talking about Sean Dollars. Both those two guys will be making their commitments on Sunday. Guess what my crystal ball says. What you, what you, what's your crystal ball pick? Two four seven. My crystal ball is telling me that the ducks. Wow, are looking good for both. For both, right now, for both kids. I think Sean Dollars. I think Florida State and USC are definitely in there. Uh, USC is a childhood favorite, but I never, I never really thought USC went all in on Sean, and, and that happens a lot. But I think Sean is aware of it. Yeah. So I think he wants to go where he feels like he's both wanted and needed. Yeah. He loved their. They both love their Florida State visits. At the end of the day, I just think Sean really likes the fit for him at Oregon. And then uh, Jeremiah Cordell, I thought, man, I thought he was a pretty decent Husky lean for a long time. Talked about Coach Lake a lot, how he develops corners. But again, I feel like Oregon has made up a lot of ground. He visited Oregon this past weekend unofficially. I know he really liked it there. And I think Jeremiah Cordell is going to end up picking Oregon over Florida State and the University of Washington on Sunday. That's my guess. We'll see. But that's my guess right now. Wow, that's, that's interesting. Two ground zero guys going to Oregon. Dante Williams, Keith Hayward. I know Keith is out here in Southern California right now, beating the bushes, trying to find the next gym, diamond in the rough at all the big-time schools. But, man, two ground zero guys, two four-star players, number one all-purpose back in the country, Sean Money Dollars. And then Jeremiah Cardell, versatile DB, corner, safety, nickel, Big-time player, big-time athlete, GB. We're going to find out. That would be four modern-day Monarchs if it holds true that are already committed to Oregon. That's true. Keon Ware-Hudson and Mace Funa. Right. Those two guys have already committed. They're hmm. recruiting Michael Martinez uh, very heavily, although I got a, I got a feeling I think Michael's more of a U.S. UCLA lean right now. UCLA lean right now. The Oregon's making a big push. Uh, Oregon's trying hard with Brew McCoy, also at modern-day, so... They're, uh, they're definitely trying hard to make an impact on uh, the nation's most dominant program as of right now. Coach, say as of last year. Coach, but as of right now, they still have that title. Coach Hudson making a big, pretty big push, too, huh? Dude, I joked with Coach Hudson today with Chance. I, I texted him after he posted about, you know, for the 100th time. I said, man, I hope you're getting paid for all the recruiting you're doing, man. You're pushing Oregon harder than anyone. He just kind of laughed and said, man, I love this stuff. I love this stuff. So he's pumped, man. He's, he's, he's jacked. I haven't seen too many dads just jacked about the whole recruiting process, but Chance, man, he's 
he's getting out there. He's getting he's got his own little little edits he's building. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need an edit. He's, got, he's his own man. He's got his ready and waiting. As soon as you commit, Cordell, I'm going to send it to you. Oh, man. And Max Williams just set his official visit to Louisville for May 31st. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I kind of said I was kind of I was kind of like I never heard him mention Louisville before, but uh, I guess uh, the DB coach over there actually uh, coached his pops, Max Senior, at Nevada. So that was kind of an interesting little hmm. little tie. And he, Max wants the big stage, man. He said flat out, "I want the big stage." I said, "Max, you like that big stage?" He goes, "Man, you know it." So he knows that they play uh, Alabama in the home opener two uh, two years two years from now. Yeah. They play Clemson and Florida State, and he's got a first-round draft pick this past draft. Jair Alexander, yeah, how you say his name? Yeah, so, he's a baller. Big Max. Uh, I still feel like USC, Oregon, Notre Dame, those are the main three. Uh, he moved back his Notre Dame visit to, I want to say, September 20-something, 28th, whatever that weekend is when they host Stanford. Uh, USC, he'll officially visit after the season is over, and he's also going to officially visit Oregon at some point during the season. Uh, the Oregon Ducks and, and Chance Hudson are pushing hard. Uh, for Max Williams to go to Oregon as well. Got the three-headed monster on Max. Keith Hayward, yeah. Dante, Chance Hudson. They're all recruiting <laughs> Max right now. <laughs> the three-headed that's all monster. I got, man. That three-headed monster, that's all I got right now for uh, for recruiting notes for the week. <laughs> no, nah, man, that was a blessing, GB. Thank you, man. That was, uh, hey, a lot of things stand out. I mean, like you said, four modern-day monarchs. You've said it multiple times in the past, Greg. If you go to modern day, you're almost a lock to go to USC. If these two money dollars and Jeremiah Cardell commit to to Oregon, that's four modern day monarchs to Oregon. Could we be seeing a shift in kind of that modern day pipeline to USC for the years to come, not just this year? That's a question that you know is going to be answered sooner rather than later. And also looking at all the guys who have NFL lineage right now who are coming up the recruiting pipelines. Uh, you talked about Toby Wright. You talked about Caillou Kelly. Guys whose fathers played big-time college ball, NFL ball. They're really coming down the pipeline, and they're really starting to develop in our top-notch major recruits for these colleges. It's going to be interesting to see where these guys sign. But nevertheless, GB, you always have the best recruiting info. I really appreciate it. You keep me up to speed, let alone our listeners up to speed. And uh, that's good stuff, my man. I'm I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to do it, man. It's fun for me. Fun for me. Well, I can bless you. That's a beautiful word. Amen. Bless someone, why not? Why would you not? Well, let's bless these listeners, GB, with our Sleeper of the Week. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right, we got our sleeper of the week this week. Comes from La Habra High School, a kid that I absolutely love. 
not only for his football ability, but for his the way he carries himself as a young man, um, his production in the classroom. I'm talking about wide receiver 2019 Mitch Anderson. He plays a slot. He plays outside. Uh, this kid is a mid 4-4, high 4-4 guy, 10-6, 900-meter kid. He's got soft hands. He runs sharp routes. Uh, he's got the strength after the catch to break tackles. He's got deep speed to get behind the defense. I love his ability to be a physical blocker on the perimeter in the run game and in the short kind of bubble screen pass game. The kid is a 4.3 GPA. Listen, I understand that he might not be 6'5". Kid's about 5'11", 6 feet. But I can tell you one thing. Give me a high-character guy who works hard and is productive in the classroom and on the football field, and I'll take that every day. And you said 10'6", Shoot, I don't care if he's 6 feet or 5'7". There was a place in college football for a guy who could run like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I just saw him in a track meet. I mean, he just blew away the competition. He, may, he beat everybody by almost 10 meters and uh yeah no he's explosive he's explosive saw him at the polynesian combine he stood out in terms of his separation when he gets to top in and it shows on the track really love mitch anderson i know uh southern utah is hot on his trails right now university of hawaii is hot on his trails idaho state is also showing him some love uh, but I think he's going to have a pretty big year, and I got a feeling a lot more schools going to be coming, knocking on that door, ringing that phone for Mitch Anderson because the guy, he's, he's productive, he's high character, and he plays with great discipline. Hey, give me that GPA one more time, Keith. 4.3, GB. 4.3. Dude, this guy will have an offer from UC Davis very shortly. The fighting Dan Hawkinses will be all over this kid. He, <laughs> he meets their standard. I've always said it before, man. If you got an opportunity to go to an Alabama, Ohio State, uh, a UC Davis, you take it. You do not pass up one of those three juggernauts when it comes to football and academic prowess. The fighting Dan Hawkins. GB, you know what? Between you and Chance Hudson, you guys, you guys might be recruiting. Uh, you guys might be the recruiting tandem now. Him from Oregon, you for UC Davis. Batman and Robin, baby. I hear UC you. Davis. Dude, why would you not want to? You got Nick Saban. You got Urban Meyer. Uh, yeah, I know what we'll probably put Bill Belichick and Dan Hawkins. That's that's the Mount Rushmore of coaches right there. I, I would say. I mean, how do you argue with those four? I don't. Uh, I'm just gonna no? leave that right there, G. I'm just you gonna leave like that Bel- right you there. Don't think Belichick belongs. He's an NFL guy. Just take <laughs> Belichick out. And throw someone else in there. I don't know who's, a, who's another college great. I don't know. We're kind of on the. I can tell you're kind of on the Lincoln Riley bandwagon. You think Lincoln should be in that Mount Rushmore with Hawk? Uh no, not yet. Urban, not, not yet. yet, not yet. No, I mean, top of the top of the food chain is Urban Meyer, Nick Saban. I think, and probably Nick, probably by himself, to be honest with you. But I think Urban Meyer is right there. But beyond that, though, I love Tom Herman. I love Lincoln Riley. Um, I'm a big Bryles fan. Um, Art Bryles, even though he's not coaching, but I'm a huge Art Bryles fan. Hopefully, you know they can, can get the off the field stuff straight. But I'm a huge Art Bryles guy. Uh, but yeah, man, the, you know, there's a lot of big time coaches out there. I, I love Mark D'Antonio over at Michigan State. I'm a big Mark D'Antonio guy. I love Chip Kelly. I think he's innovative and creative and really changed the game in terms of how spread offenses run and, and how to attack people. So it's a lot of dynamic coaches out there, man. Makes me miss the coaching game a little bit. Yeah, no, it's a good group for sure. And uh, I think all those guys you mentioned, along with Dan Hawkins, you can't go wrong with any of them. <laughs>
All right, man. I'm going to let you leave that right there. Right now, GB, we're going to move on to our new, uh, a different segment here. Um, this one kind of hits close to home because as a former college athlete, I saw this up close in person. We're going to move to a excerpt of a speech of Kylia Carter that is the mother of Wendell Carter, who is projected to be a lottery pick in basketball. She had a very impassionate speech about uh, the NCAA and um, the way that student athletes are treated or are devalued. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say no more, GB. Let's let the listeners hear it, and then let's talk about it afterwards. Here we go. As we grew in this, this business and we pulled back all the layers, and I began to see what I was actually looking at, to be honest with you, it's nauseating. To be honest with you, to have the opportunity to say this and not say it, I'll feel like I felt when I was a student athlete at the University of Mississippi and my friends were in classrooms being called horrific names, being thrown, having food and things thrown at them as they were walking past the union and them saying these things to me and me telling them, surely not. There's no way that's happening. This is a wonderful place. I'm having such a great time. Everything's going so wonderful. What are you talking about? And so I migrated to the people that were having experiences like mine instead of those that were having trouble that looked like me that were having real struggles. So I say that to say that I cannot be here now and not say that the, when I pull back the layers, the problem that I see is not with the student athlete. It's not with the coaches and the institutions of higher learning. But it's with a system like the only system that I have ever seen where the laborers are the only people that are not being compensated for the work that they do while those in charge receive mighty compensation. The only two things, the only two systems where I've known that to be in place is slavery and the prison system. And now I see the NCAA as overseers of a system that is identical to that. And so it's very difficult for me to be able to sit here and not say that there is a problem that is sickening, but the problem I believe is not being directed in the right place. And I think that it should be. And I think the cover should be pulled back and everyone be able to see the truth and be aware of what's really happening to the student athlete and their family. Because once these students are recruited to these institutions of higher learning, which are fantastic, I am a proponent of academic excellence. I'm a proponent of education, a proponent of the knowledge and the, it's, it's, I love it. It's beautiful to me. That's why my son had such a hard time selecting Harvard between Harvard and Duke because his mother and his father wanted him to go to Harvard because of the, the, the experience for a man that looks like him. And though he didn't choose it, and I am so ever grateful that he went to Duke. It was a wonderful experience and, and everything that he needed it to be for him to come to this next level. But I still, 
after in the infractions that they accused us of doing um, something with one of the people that were being investigated with the FBI. And I, yeah, it was nauseating, but I was still flabbergasted at the, the point that these, the people that were being indicted and the, I knew some of those people and the people that were being indicted, it just, it's always odd to me that the people that, that seem to bear the brunt of the trouble when I know for a fact that this has been going on since I was being recruited. So I and I'm a, I'm a female, so I know that the recruitment is vastly different for male players and it was corrupt then. I know it was. I remember kids not being able to pass the uh, the uh, the ACT t the ACT um, test because and they called them Prop 48 students and they would let the Prop 48 students come to school and play, knowing that they couldn't pass the academic portions, but they let them in school anyway. But they would tell you it was because to afford you this scholarship and this and that. No, it's because of the money that you will bring to that institution by you playing there for all those years or you being a part of that program. At the end of the day, the talent is being purchased. The talent is being purchased, but the talented are not receiving any of the benefit. The colleges are only recruiting the talented kids for their talent. They're not recruiting them because they will excel academically at their institution. So why is that the benefit in them going to that institution? I, I want them to go, but I want them to go for two years. If you're going to make them go, make them go and get something from. Why can't they go to college and go to college and get a two-year certificate in this professional sport that they are pursuing if they are that talented? So that they are aware and educated on the business of the sport that they want to attend. GB, a lot said in a short amount of time. And again, as a former college athlete, this totally hits close to home for me. But I want to ask you some questions and kind of get your get your take, get your thoughts. When Kylia Carter says pull back the layers, what do you think she means by that, GB? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, obviously I don't think it's a, uh, you know, a secret that NCAA makes billions upon billions. Where's the money going, right? If, if they're making all this money, uh, where's equal I don't know if it's equal but people were saying you know why aren't the players being compensated especially when you see jerseys with the players likeness being sold um, so I think by pulling back the layers you can correct me on that I'm assuming they just mean hey let's let's do some due diligence find out who are these people making all this money off the kids and and uh, you know why aren't why aren't the kids getting a little bit a little something something right sure I, yeah I think I agree I think uh, she's speaking to the lack of transparency by the NCAA you're talking. You're not talking millions, Greg. You're talking billions of dollars on the backs of student athletes, and for those billions of dollars, for the student athletes not to see any is it's a it's a bit shocking. Um, she says the 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 problem is with the system, Greg. The system in place is amateurism. What do you see, GB, from your vantage point? What do you see as the as the problem, um, and how do we even get to this point? If you know, 
See, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You're much more educated on this than I am. I, I'm gonna take a devil's advocate role and, and just for the fun of it. And, and I, I don't like the use. I don't. I hate comparing it to slavery. Honestly, I really do. Um, you know, slavery was uh, was definitely not a choice. Whereas if you make a choice to go to college if you want to. You don't. No one's putting a gun to your head and saying, "Hey, you have to go to sure. Alabama sure. and play football." Right. And, and, the, and the other reason why I don't like what you said. Obviously, very educated lady. I read up on her. Um, you know, shoot, if, if your kid wants to go to has your choices down to Harvard and Duke, you got some great parenting. Even though I'm not a Duke guy, that's another that's another topic. <laughs> um, but uh, say you have two boys, Keith. Yeah. And one of your sons has a chance to go to Alabama to play football, right? Mm-hmm. Now, he's not getting paid to go to Alabama to play football, right? Alabama's going to make a lot of money off your son. He's going to be an elite linebacker or running back. But can we also agree that these kids are still getting a little something? I mean, they're not paying for anything. They're getting the best training in the world. They're being showcased for the next level, which is the NFL. And you can't get that without going to Alabama, without going to Auburn, USC, Florida State, Notre Dame. I mean, so I, I don't, that's why another thing I kind of bristle at the, at the slavery top because the players are still getting, you know, the finest food, the finest nutrition, the finest training for free. If they break a leg or get a tear in ACL, the finest doctors in the world are going to repair those legs. So, should the kids get something? Absolutely. I'm not sure how much or how we figure out that part of it. I do think they should be getting something. But I also bristle when I hear that the players, you know, they're slaves. They don't get anything out of this. I mean, come on, man. They're still getting a ton of value for their scholarship. And, and honestly, and this might sound controversial, a lot of these kids, I know for a fact, wouldn't be able to get into college it wasn't for that scholarship. They don't have the grades to get in. And I, I heard recently, and you know, kids tell me all the time, one of USC's big selling points is, hey, a USC degree over four years is worth a million dollars. When you combine how much it costs for the tuition, the room and books, the training, all sure, that. It's a sure. million dollar scholarship for over four years. So I kind of put on the fence where, yes, let's, let's give them something. Um, but how much, I don't know. Um, I'll ask you that question. How much, how do you determine the, the compensation they should be getting? Is it every athlete? Is it every sport? Is it men, you know, men's, you know, water polo? Is it just the two sports that actually make money, which is men's basketball and men's football? Let's talk about UConn women's basketball. I mean, how do you determine how much and who? Yeah, so let me kind of address it in two parts. First, you said your, your your comment was controversial. I don't think it was controversial. I think it's pretty widely known, GB, that, and, and I was one of those kids one of those student athletes that it, if I didn't have a football scholarship, I wasn't getting into college. I did not have a high enough GPA, high enough test scores to get in academically. So that to me, I don't think that's controversial. That's just facts. Okay. okay. On on the, the the second part of the question is, you know, how do you know who to pay what? I, I'm, I'm gonna turn the question back on you. How does 24-7 know how much to play, pay Greg Biggins? Or how how does you know National Preps know how much to pay Keith Miller? Right? It's a it's a free market, right? It's a free sure. market. Your talent and ability determines and production determines how much you get paid. And to me, I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, and, and that's that's the system I would like for it to be in, but obviously we're not at that point. Let's move along though in her speech. Um, she says laborers are not com- compensated, but everyone else is compensated. Now, you talked a little bit about, you know, they might not be the kids might not be compensated monetarily, but you do feel like they're getting a little something. Would it be fair? Well, 
I, I do. I do. Uh-huh. Like I said, if you go to Alabama and you play for Nick Saban, you're getting the finest food, training, nutrition. Uh, you're getting showcased on a big stage. That, that to me, is, is worth a ton. So I, I guess I would respond to that by saying, okay, let's take Larry Scott, who is the commissioner of the Pac-12, who just was reported to make $5 million a year. Let's, yeah. let's give him food, training, a dorm room, and the best doctors if he gets hurt doing his job. And let's see if he swaps that out for that $5 million. Because we're working... And I'm speaking as a player. We're working. This is this is for all intents and purposes is a job, and we we're getting paid essentially. You know, a chance at an education and medical attention and food and and, and board. Well, why do let's let's have the adults get the same thing and see how much they like that deal. And that was always something that I thought of in college. Well, you know, if he's making eight million a year, well, let's give him an opportunity to get his doctor's degree. He could turn that eight million back in, and let's see how that works. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that was yeah. just something that I always thought when I was a player um, that I always thought was unfair. You talked a little bit, GB, about the whole slavery term, and I agree with you. I don't think it's slavery, um, but how do you compare, or how would you compare? The prison system of free labor and the term indentured servitude or indentured servants to uh, the NCA and amateurism. I mean, I, I guess I really don't see the connection. And I, I'm not. I guess I'm coming from a completely different, you know, different mindset of choice, and and that's why you mentioned indentured. Um, but it's, I just I can't separate, you know, the horrific. When I think of slavery, I, mean, I, don't even, I can't even watch those movies. Yeah. And I'm not even black, right? Yeah. So I, can't, I can't watch them. I've never, I, I don't watch them. I can't watch them. It's like, it, it, there's nothing that bothers me more than that. Mississippi, bro, I've never watched them. I, I never will watch them. It's, just, it's to me, it's the most disgusting, vile thing I've ever seen or heard about. So to compare that to a kid who's not getting paid on top of already getting a free scholarship, I, I just can't combine, I can't put the two and two together. Um, like I said, you're much more educated and, and, and able to speak on that much better than I am. So, um, but that, that's when I, I can tell you before, when I first saw the headline about comparing it to slavery, I'm like, I can't even read this. I'm not going to read the article. Yeah. You sent me the link, I read it. And I'm like, okay, I get what you're coming from now. Yeah. But so it's, it's hard for me to, to really compare those two and, I just I can't separate it from from yeah. what I view as horrific versus what I view as these kids have an opportunity to kind of and another thing you know not to not to jump off topic one thing she said that was kind of interesting to me was you know make them go for two years yeah um I've always wondered this you know I, I think baseball kind of gets it a little bit come out of high school if you want if you don't go out of high school stay for three. But why do you even need to declare for the draft? Why can't you just get drafted whenever you want? Yeah. And if you don't get drafted, you go back to school, right? I, I agree I mean, with that. Yeah, sure. How many people got undrafted that declared for the NFL draft recently? Now, what are they going to do? Absolutely. You know, what if they had the opportunity? What if you're the best player in the country? Leonard Fournette was probably more highly touted as a freshman than he was coming after his junior season. What if he could have got drafted right then and there? Again, not to change the subject dynamically, but just kind of something that she said that kind of stood out for me. You know, I kind of – baseball – you know, you can come out after your junior year if you're drafted. You like your team, you can sign with them. If not, you go back to school for another year. What if they made that for a college period? And whether you're freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior, if you're drafted, 
negotiate. You don't like it, go back to school. If you don't get drafted, you're, you're in school, obviously, already. Um, now that's going to screw up, you know, how these college coaches, especially basketball, have to allocate scholarship, not knowing who's going to be there the next year. Yeah, but, but I think if you put a time frame around it, though, I think it's very doable. I think it's doable, absolutely. Yeah, no, so, I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Why, do, why does there have to be parameters around you know, these athletes. It feels like the system is built against the athlete, which has always been mind-boggling to me. But getting back to the the prison system kind of comparison and indentured servitude, I think your issue is like the physical part of the slavery that you're not able to get over. And let me just take you to like the the concept behind the prison system uh, and, and, and labor. In the prison system, you know, Mass incarceration leads to free labor. That free labor provides a ton of money for corporations around the world who invest in prisons, right? So that free labor provides money for a corporation. Then you look at indentured servitude. That is basically someone who is bound to a contract, essentially, to work for free and basically be paid or, or excuse me, not be paid or be paid very under under market. So, I guess the concept is a it's a top down approach where the the people at the top get paid and the people at the bottom get, pretty much get nothing. And that's how the NCAA is treating its athletes. I, I think sure, that's the sure. comparison. That well said. I think that's the comparison she's kind of trying to make. And she talked about the NCAA being overseers of the system, and that's exactly what I'm saying is. Uh, they are allowing this and supporting this system, which we I think we all know is tremendously flawed. But there's been very little, if any, reform to really address the concerns of the parents, the athletes or the well-being of the athletes um, in their college careers, which, you know, which is disturbing. Um, a couple more things, GB. She said talent is purchased but not receiving the benefits. What do you think she means by that? I, I don't know. Say that again. I, I, was, I was kind of confused when she said that. Yeah, so she, she said the, the talent is being purchased. So the colleges, uh, you know, they're purchasing the talent. They are okay. recruiting the talent, but the talent is not being benefited. They're not receiving the benefits, even though they are the cause for uh, the monetary cause. Right. Yeah, and, and again, I would kind of disagree because let's just make it personal. Let's say Najee Harris. Yeah. Right. Let's this guy we all know. Yeah. So by by getting purchased, so he, I don't know if I used the word purchased. He chose to go to Alabama on a on a scholarship where he, you know, doesn't have to pay for anything while he's in school. Right. Is he getting any benefits at all financially right now at Alabama? The answer would be no, right? I mean, if we're going to... As far as I know, no. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't going to go there, but (laughs) uh, as far as we know, he's not getting anything monetarily. Now, what if Najee spends three years there and after that three years with great coaching, with great development, with great training, with great diet, uh, with great mentoring, he becomes uh, a top 10 pick and he's going to make millions and millions and millions of dollars. Did he benefit financially by going to Alabama? I would say yes. Okay. Would he have gotten that same benefit if he went to Idaho State? Yes. 
it would Najee Harris be Najee Harris if he went to Idaho State or Alabama? Yeah, to me, yes. See, I, I disagree. Okay. I think Najee would have been good wherever he, he went. So yeah. I will agree with you on that. But as far as showcasing himself at a number one, number two program mm-hmm. in terms of the development, in terms of the training, the diet, all that, the coaching, it's night and day from Bama to Idaho State. That's why I think you, I even saw you tweet this. You know, development matters, right? This what some crazy sure. stuff about Alabama. Sure. And you can be a great player wherever, and I, and I get that. There's always stories every year about this guy. You know, look at the top five picks, right? Josh Allen went number four or five, whatever he went. I already forgot all the draft right. picks. But Josh Allen went to a small school, and I get that, all that. But I'm still a believer, and if you go to these schools, you get showcased. And football. I, I think basketball is a sport where you literally can go straight to the lead because it's happened over and over and over again. So I think in football, there is a ton of value in picking the right school and getting developed. And even though you're not getting paid, I still think you're getting huge benefits that will pay off in the long run. That's why I don't like the, the, the comparison to even to the prison system where, I mean, number one, again, controversial or not, you probably did something to get put in prison. And number two, the free labor that you're doing, there's no long-term benefit for you like there is for a student-athlete who goes and kills it for three or four years. The long-term benefit is, dude, if I put my work in for three or four years, I'm going to pay off by getting a professional contract after these three or four years. So I don't like that comparison too much either, to to be honest with you. Maybe I'm taking it too literal, but now, again, I'm pro-athlete. I've always been pro-athlete, pro-kid. Do I think they should get something, go on a date, have some money to do that, go to a movie? Yes. Again, I'm not sure how much or or who, but I do think there should be more than just, you know, just their stipend. But for me, uh, I, I don't really agree or buy into the whole, you know, prison system slavery. I just I don't buy into that as much right now. At least, you know, I'm open to hearing more and, and being educated. But for me, just shooting shooting straight, I, I don't I don't know if I necessarily buy that argument. And, and that's fine. That's totally fine. Um, so, last question. Is it time to stop using athletes for free labor under the premise of amateurism? Because I, mean, I think I, yeah, go on. I'm sorry because Walt by Walter Byers, who founded the NCAA, um, and who created this amateurism system, he was a proponent of amateurism for 30 years, and before he resigned. He says, and I quote, um, you know, I've reached a point where I've started thinking about an open division to make it more for want of a better word professional. So he's talking about creating an open division, which ironically is sounds like our former Pac-5 or whatever we used to call it, Division One, an open division where free labor is free the free labor market is available and accessible and allow players teams universities to kind of partake in that that pool what do you think yeah i mean i, I don't i don't know how i feel about that i think the, 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 maybe because of my job i think my concern is okay we all know players are already getting compensated so let's just let's just throw that you know, so elephant in the room, right? We all know top kids, basketball, football, everyone's getting a little something. So the whole elite starving athlete, I never bought into because I've known for a long time and so have you, Keith. These guys are already getting something. So let's let's figure out how do we determine 
when they get paid and, and how much. So we are we saying if I'm recruiting, you know, Joe Schmo and I'm Texas and we got Florida State and USC and UCLA and Oregon, those are the final five schools. Are we saying let's have a, a let's allow a bidding war for this kid so he gets paid his market value, or do we wait till he gets to college and then sell his jersey and let him have that? Where the kid who's a five-star goes to college and never pisses a drop, which we've seen a ton of times, right? Four or five-star guys always develop. So does he have to get the money back if he ever sees the field? Yeah. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? So, like, and there's been, there's been a lot. What about the, the two-star, three-star guy who, who out, you know, beats out the four-star guy? Can we take his money that he signed, his, his signing bonus, and give it to the guy who didn't really sign it for his high? And I just don't want to get in this in this idea of, and again, I, I've never been, I never saw it as amateurism. I just, I never saw it that way. Maybe that's how it's, people want it to be, the, the purity of it. But I, I just, I don't want this idea of if you go to, if you have a school like Notre Dame, that market's like you're no other, Texas, USC, Alabama, Ohio State, and you're recruiting this kid, you're, you're able to tell the kid, hey, if you come to my school, uh, you know, you're going to be able to, we're going to pay you $100,000 because your jersey here is going to sell much more than it will at Boise State or Cal. If you allow that to happen, God, I feel like the, the level, it's already not a level playing field, but the level playing field is going to be even more lopsided if you allow schools to be able to recruit you by saying, hey, we're going to be able to pay you based on, you know, revenue that we are going to get from your jersey or your likeness. We can sell you on that. It just, I just feel like that bidding war is going to make recruiting even uglier than it already is. So I think that, that's a concern for me. Yeah, you know what, GB? And how I would answer that, and I hear you, and I hear you, and, and a lot of people have that perspective, but how I would answer that is, Boise State ain't about to out-recruit Alabama for nobody anyway. Neither is Cal. So what are we really talking about? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Now, I was going to say that, but I thought like I was talking too long. You know, <laughs> Boise, State, Boise State won't win that battle head-to-head. I mean, forget Bama. Boise State's not going to win too many head-to-head battles with, with SC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington. Closer to home. Right. But at least they got a fighting chance. I you know what I'm saying? At least, at least you got a fighting chance if you say, hey, you know, we're Boise State. You know, and, and all the advantages. But if you allow a school to say, "Well, shoot, come here, and you're going to make this much money," now all of a sudden, it's I just feel like the the gap between the have the have nots, the SEC already because they, they again, it's a, it's a better uh, football. It's so much more passionate out there that you are going to be able to make a lot more money selling players' likeness and 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 all that. I just feel like it. I don't know, man. I just, I just don't long term yeah. where my mind's going I just don't think that's a great place I'm trying to think about I'm trying to think of a win-win I mean um, maybe, maybe Walter Byers is on to something maybe you create an open division of private schools I mean colleges that partake in the free labor market the open labor market what about this? I mean, I never really heard of much about this until the Fab Five, right? And now that's when all this talk, talk for me, and I'm sure it was going on, but I never really paid attention to it until, you know, they brought it to, you know, the, the Chris Webbers and Jalen saw their jerseys yeah. being sold. What if you did allow, you know, schools to, to you know, market the kids as they do, sell the jerseys, um, and then... You know, what if it go in, What if it went to a, some kind of fun and the kid gets it after college? After he gets out. Yeah, I mean, is that is that a win win for everyone, or is that still just like why not give it to him right now? No, no, I think why that's a wait. Yeah, that's something that I've know I've talked about with my older brothers in the past, and I think that'd be very beneficial. One of the key things about being in college, Greg, is when you get done, 
real life happens. And when you come from nothing and real life starts and you have nothing, only a degree, you still have to make that degree work for you. When you have nothing and you're trying to make a degree work, it's extremely difficult. Luckily, I had a mom and a dad. I had a home to go to and they supported me until I kind of got on my feet and got moving. Some guys, they got a hard landing. College ends, they don't have a professional career and athletics lined up. Greg, they go back home and they're hurting. They're, yeah. they, got, they have nothing saved up. They have nothing in their name. They've got no credit, no real estate. They've got zilch. And now you're basically starting at a homeless state. Other than you're not homeless, you may have a roof over your head. But see, but for that kid, I, I feel like that's the kid who it works for. Yeah, absolutely. If, if I came from nothing, and I have to work, and I have to do the NFL is my only chance, and I can't get into a college because my grades are, are not good. So I get a scholarship, and I know, okay, I got, I got, you know, burn this, burn the ships, right? I, there's sure. no fallback plan for me. I got to go 100. percent Yes. And if I know, if I put the work in for three or four years, I'm going to the NFL. I'm going to MLB. I'm going to the NBA. And I'm going to make millions because of my hard work. You can't tell me that kid did not benefit from college because it wasn't for college. He wouldn't be having that opportunity. But what if he doesn't, Greg? What's the plan then? He, all that work he did, you, all you, that you time to, he put yeah. in, what, what's it going to show for once he leaves college and goes back to nothing? And I think you, I think you were, I think you have a point. Hey, sell the jersey, you know, sell the likeness. Put it into a fund for the kid. I know how much I would have benefited if I had $50,000 waiting for me in a fund when I got out of college. That puts you right on the road to home ownership. That puts you in a place where you can get yourself dressed and go interview. That puts you in a place where you can purchase a vehicle for transportation. That puts you in a much better situation. GB then leaving college going home to Bell Glaze Florida where ain't nothing but you know rabbits and 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 weeds so I would counter that and this is probably naive I would say so dude they're paying you for free to go to college how about you take advantage of that and and get an education yeah. And learn. That doesn't guarantee you, like you said, I know that doesn't guarantee you jack squat, but I should tell you what, man, it's sure a heck of a, heck of a lot better than, than where you came from. At least you have at least you have some skills that hopefully you learn. Hopefully you have some context that you hopefully you picked up. Uh, so, again, maybe you didn't make the NFL, and so you're going to say, oh, you see, that was a waste kid to get anything out of it. And they gave you an opportunity. And number two, hopefully your fallback is you got a three- or four-year education and you got a degree and now go do something with those contacts that hopefully you made while you're in college. Don't go back to what you came from. Hopefully you come out of that a complete, radically different person. You know what? And that's that's ideal, Greg. But to be honest with you, my coach wouldn't let me schedule classes that I needed because they were during practice time. I couldn't get to tutoring because my, my, my position coach had me in film. There are a ton, a ton. And I'm speaking from personal experience. A ton of hurdles that you have to get over just to get yourself in a situation where you can possibly earn that degree, let alone, uh, you know, get to class on time and get your work done and, uh, you know, compete on the football field. I mean, it's it's taxing, to say the least, to, to end college without going professional and to have nothing but a, a piece of paper that may get you in a room for an interview 
that's a lot of work for a, a, a small, it works for me. Now, don't get me wrong. It worked for me, and I'm I'm grateful and I'm blessed. But I know a lot of guys it has not worked for. I mean, I thought I'd know a lot of guys that would kill for an opportunity to go to college for free, and your your end game is you have these two, two options. Dude, if you kill it, and the, we, the reason why you went to the – you picked this school, if you feel it can, it can give you an opportunity to go make the NFL or go make the NBA. We'll, we'll just keep it at those two sports, right? It's up to you. But here's a free opportunity. Here's a basically like we called about Elijah Blake. Here's a lottery ticket. You're a talented. Here's your chance. Showcase yourself. Uh, the other opportunity is what? For this kid out of high school with no job skills. You kind of described this guy, right? He's got nothing. He came from rabbit fields or whatever. Yeah. He, has, he has no job skills. And so what opportunity does he have outside of college if he can't go use those skills? Here's an opportunity to go two, two chances. Make your make – your, dream and your sport of choice or you have option B which is like you just described it's not easy it can get done though right it, you, you it can. A story sure which I've seen a hundred times as well I've also seen a hundred thousand times where people do get degrees from their colleges some do it in three and a half years sure so I know it can be done both ways so I mean I feel like we're saying okay the kid here so because you don't make the league because maybe you, you weren't as good as we thought you were and you didn't get a degree well you know you still deserve something I mean, like, how about making the guy earn something, right? I mean, are we just going to just give everything away? No, no, but I, I think you do earn something while you're there. I think on the backs of all the work that you put in there, I think you should have earned something. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm the one who has to go to practice and study. I'm the one who has to go on road trips and miss class. I'm the one who has to, you know, go to study hall at 9 o'clock p.m. while everybody else is in group sessions. I've put in some work, but the fact that, you know, for one reason or another I didn't earn my degree or one reason or another I wasn't good enough for the NFL or NBA, to me, that says, you know what, let's make sure that – because this kid came here and put this work in and 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 grinded, even though it the it didn't turn out the way we or he planned, because of rules or or re- legislation that's in place, le- there's something in a you know trust fund for him that way he can either a you know continue working on his degree, b help him get his life started. So the three to four year, the three to four year bench former who never, you know, he practiced hard, right? He was a, he was Rudy, he was a grinder, but never made a play in a game. He still should be getting something for, for you know, you, you mentioned market value, right? How do I get paid at twenty four seven sports if I'm if I'm not a, not a not making any news or breaking anything or telling the, you know a story about a kid? Guess what? I'm, I'm I don't have a job. So, yeah, but you, but you but you we, can go get a job though. Hopefully, but not if I not if I'm a guy who's going to be a career bench former like this guy you're, we're describing. You know, maybe he works hard, but he doesn't make plays. What is his market value? What where where is his value? If we're if we're this we're, we're paying guys based off of their value, you're, you're saying uh-huh. right to the school. Yeah, he was a three or four year bench guy. Yeah, maybe a special teams guy. Maybe he was a third string linebacker who never played unless it was you know garbage time. Yeah, so this guy still should be getting compensated for his value even though there is no real value to him. And, and, and if there's no real value, GB, you know what he gets? He gets free he room and board. Education. Yeah, he's yes. got his education, yes. he's got his room and board, yes. he's got his meals. He got an opportunity to showcase himself in front of thousands every single week. Yeah, but guys, guys like Buki, come on, man. 
You tell me that that's all he's worth is a is a is a is a is a some macaroni and cheese and beans. I think we both know they're getting they're eating a lot better than that. <laughs> you know what I mean? In a dorm room, five squares, five squares a day. But hey, listen, hey, this thing could go on forever. It could. I, I know could. we got a roll, but uh, I, I appreciate you engaging me and engaging this topic. It's not an easy topic to discuss, but I think we came away with some pretty good ideas. Um, I definitely think uh, some type of trust fund should be set up for every kid, let alone star or not, something to help them get started once they get out of college. I definitely think that, uh, like the, the the creator of the NCAA, Walter Byers, said, I definitely think there can be an open division where it's, a, it's an open labor market. So those are just some ideas that we've kind of sh- discussed and shared here. But I appreciate you, GB, as always, my man. You're my guy, and I love you. Um, that brings us to a close. You know what? We got to remind people about the winter circle. All right, listen, everybody. And I'm talking to you parents and you student athletes. It's the off season. This is your time to get better and improve. Come the fall, that's your chance to showcase yourself in front of big time scouts like me and recruiters across the nation. Now, there are a lot of guys out there that claim to be trainers. They grab a whistle, grab a couple cones, but it's just not that successful. What I'm talking about is going big time. Invest yourself into something special. Call my guy, Jordan Campbell, at Winter Circle Athletics. It's a facility in Corona, California with world-class state-of-the-art technology and equipment that creates world-class athletes. They understand human performance, health and wellness, and they customize programs to meet your athletic goals. They train specific for your sport and position. The Winter Circle has 50-plus Division I athletes over the last three years. They've added to a 50,000-plus square foot facility, and they also have a prep academy for 8th graders to 6th graders that concentrates on athletic development, social development, and academic development in their newly renovated Innovative facility, the Winter Circle Athletics. You can contact them at wintercircleathletics.com. All right, we appreciate you for joining us. Follow us Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're out there, the transparent truth. Follow my man at Greg Biggins on Twitter, at Coach Keith underscore MP on Twitter. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Richie Hammond. Y'all be cool.